0: Good morning, Ferry Road. We're so glad you chose to be with us. see a lot of purple on today, not a lot of black. So some of us are festive. If you don't understand that reference, that's okay, too. We're so glad that you chose to be with us today on this holiday weekend. And if you're visiting with us from out of town, which I'm sure some of you are, thank you for coming our way. Hang around a little bit so we can get to know you, uh, make you feel Welcome. Uh, as well. We have a few announcements. Uh, Casa uh, is doing some uh, court appointed special advocates is doing some training working with some foster care kids uh, that are in the court system. It's a great way to reach out and impact and touch a a kid's life. Contact them or see Cindy Murray. Uh, Starting next week, things are changing. We've got two services starting next week. Yeah. Trent's fired up about preaching twice. That's twice the jokes, y'all. Woo. That's how you tell a joke, buddy, right there. That's how you get people to laugh. Take notes. That was a setup. We planned that. But we'll start a first worship at 8 o'clock. So be here if you're inclined to come to that one. Bible class in between at 9.30 and then a second assembly at 10.30. So plan accordingly. Uh, we look forward to filling both services up. Uh, very, very quickly. Also, the next week on September 14th, Duck Commander Sunday, and is our Mission Sunday. As we, all the, everything we collect that day and our contribution goes to support our mission efforts. Uh, We have been blessed to be able to do that, and you've been very generous, and we know that uh, this year the best is yet to come uh, in our giving with that. Uh, this morning we would like to ask Miss Adeline Stevens to bring her family down uh, so that we can do a blessing. We'd like to ask the rest of our elders to come down as well.
1: me hey you go <clears throat> these boys we got uh, all these grand boys my our grandsons and now we have a granddaughter we're sitting there wondering how this is going to work <laughs> I think she's gonna rule the roost though from what I can see uh, we're very proud to have Adeline as our grandbaby and I also want to tell you too that uh, on behalf of Kevin and Shannon and Kim that we are very proud of you two and the parents that y'all are. And on behalf of White's Fair Road and the elders, I wanted to present Adeline with her little New Testament Bible, but first off, I want to read you a verse. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 says, Love the Lord with with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you lie when you lie when you sit at home and when you or walk when you walk
2: all right
1: love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength these commandments that i give you today are to be upon your hearts it's amazing what you can do when you can see Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the roads. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on your door frames of your house and on your gates. This is something that we've tried to do all of your life. And I'm sure your parents have too. And the thing about it is we still do it today. We still get to talk about scriptures today because that's what we've done our whole lives and growing up. And here's our first little testament. Love you guys. Proud of y'all. Let's pray. Father, it's uh it's great to be a part of a family like this church and to have our family like this here today. Uh honoring little Adeline. And Father, we just pray that uh you will bless her bless her with what she needs father not necessarily what she wants we pray for uh that she makes great choices in her life and when she doesn't father just father be with her and guide her out of it we pray for a a husband if you have one planned for we pray for him wherever he is that you will uh, bless him too father again uh, help us as a family to uh, raise her up to be a, a a great warrior and uh, a great child for you. Father, we love you. Uh, thank you for Jesus that makes all this possible. Let's do him, we pray. Amen.
2: May blessings be upon you, precious day.
3: that's great what a great blessing Uh, you know we're not only do we bless physical families they're our spiritual family and our spiritual family is growing as we talked about uh, earlier of course going to two services next week but not only that uh, we are so uh, uh, honored to be uh, part of the work now at university and so I know we have several of the university folks that are here they uh, they cut Gordon short today for their service so they could come over here. And uh, so Trent, make it worth your while now, okay? Because Gordon said he had a good, powerful sermon. He was ready to go. Okay, uh, so. But you know, uh, there's so, I, I'm so excited because at that campus over there, there's so much opportunity. Uh, I forget what is it, 60, 80 different nations that are represented there by students and uh, an effort there uh, on that campus that could really reach different parts of the world. And uh, uh, it's a great honor and privilege to join uh, 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 the, the folks that have been over at that work at the University Church uh, for so long, doing so many good things. How many of you have been a, a, a part of the Student Center at one time or another over? At, look around, several hands, look at that. Thank you for that University Student Center work. Thank you and God bless you. That have kept that thing going year in, year in and year out. And like any church work, just like our work, there are times things go up, or there are times, times things come down and, and uh, works or go like that. But uh, you have uh, stood steadfast there, so many of you there at university, and have, have helped that work. And uh, we are honored uh, to join as brothers and sisters and as churches that now we are one congregation at two locations. And uh, that's a good thing for our, that's a good unity thing, isn't it? And so we are praying about what God's going to do there. One of the things that's happening there, Gordon, uh, one of our elders, is also now going to be full-time serving in the ministry over there. And uh, that crossed the river. Uh, and we want to ask the Lord to bless him with the, uh, uh, wisdom and just dis- and pray a blessing over him like we do any of our starting of our new ministers and uh, So we want to we want to do that at this time and, and pray for that word Let's pray Father You know better than anyone our hearts You know our heart for the gospel and we We want to first of all say thank you for the story of your son the death and resurrection Uh, the reason we have hope and father we want to share that hope uh, uh, with the world and we want to start right here in our own twin cities and we want to to do better at that even all of our neighborhoods and our communities and but particularly at this time father uh, as Gordon works uh, with uh, the campus over there and and efforts to evangelize in that area of Monroe we we pray father for a blessing for him for wisdom For discernment, Uh, Father, I know that uh, uh, how you have used him to reach many, many people. And so uh, as well as, Father's the the brothers and sisters that are already so active there now, we ask your blessings upon them. We're thankful, Father, for the great things that you not only have done but are going to do. Uh, For we do this work of sharing the good news by faith, knowing that you will use it make the most out of it for the kingdom Uh, thank you father for uh, uh, letting us be involved in such great ministry opportunities uh, here in the Twin Cities as well as around the world Uh, but right now we ask a great blessing upon the work University and upon Gordon and upon all of our efforts together in Jesus name we pray amen
2: Be gentle with me, I'm
4: fragile. <laughs> uh, didn't your
1: son, Zach, work with you over there? Still does. Oh, does he? Is he in your relation? Do you see all these signs around here?
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: The same one? I think so, What's your son, my son. Well, may he have good luck in whatever he's doing.
2: Bye. Uh-huh.
3: Thank you brother for leading us in such great worship. What a blessing. You know we only thought it was, we just thought it was very appropriate to put our missions moments within our communion time because, uh, well that's really what brought us all together for our mission, right? Uh, It's not that the church has a mission, God has a mission and we get to join it and be a part of that to reach out and try to win the world. When we take communion, we're remembering that we're all together because of the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We're, we're thankful. We're celebrating that uh, resurrection, that ascension, the second coming that we're looking forward to. We're doing it with people not only in this room but all over the world. And we want to reach more and more people with that same message. And so we're reminded every week. I love that we do it weekly. This reminds us every week of what it is to be such a blessing to be a part of the uh, grace of the gospel of Christ. Uh, one of the a couple of the mission things we want to mention this morning, uh, one is uh, uh, our uh, New Orleans work and our CR uh, work inside. You know, we have Celebrate Recovery inside the uh, uh, prisons here in the state of Louisiana. Randall Greer. Randall, where are you? Raise your hand. If you want to be a part of that, see Randall. He'll work you into that ministry. He's, he's our missionary out there. Uh, And there are a lot of folks that he's with that are sharing the good news. And we, not only that, we've we've helped uh, in the New Orleans work uh, to uh, start a Celebrate Recovery there uh, and helping uh, helping a church get off the ground there, too. And so we support that area down in New Orleans. We've been involved in that work, you know, ever since Katrina. And so I already helped plant one church, getting another one going, so we're excited about that. And so just right here in our own, you know, uh, Jerusalem, so to speak. Uh, We go and take the gospel uh, to the world. And we do so because of what we're about to do. Our nourishment, this meal that we take, we get nourishment from. It's because of the sacrifice and the love of Jesus Christ. And aren't we grateful he was willing to go to the cross for us, willing to sacrifice his body so that we could be a body of believers together. And so we remember all that as we take communion. It's a special time for us. Father, we love you. I thank you for this body of believers that meets here and what they mean to me. I know that we could not be together and have unity and have this sharing of time and nourishment together if it wasn't for the body of Christ being shed on the cross. So Father, we say thank you for that. We know we don't deserve it, but we're grateful for your grace. And we also remember that as a body of people, we have a purpose to share that same good news day in and day out. And for that, we are extremely thankful, Father, that we can be used in the kingdom. Uh, Father, as we remember this, we remember the relationships we have not only with you, but one another. We remember to make those right and keep them right. So I, I thank you, Father, for our church family, for our forever family, in Jesus' name. All right. hadn't been that long ago that uh, we lost one of our missionaries, Paul G. Remember Paul passed away, went on to be with the Lord, and Paul and Ann had worked so many years in Tuba City. And one of the young men that grew up in that church on the reservation that uh, Paul had converted and worked with was Eric Key. And uh, Paul had always hoped that Eric would come back there and work and and Eric had kind of uh, resisted it. He had done some work in Italy. He was at, went through Harding and had done some uh, different kinds of things. And Eric and his wife Tracy, uh, uh, as they started praying about the ministry when Paul passed away, and, and they started thinking about their own families there, and so uh, they decided that they were going to go back out there and take up that work. I thought, now that's leaving a, something, that's leaving a disciple there to keep the work going on. And so this is uh, Eric and Tracy. We're going to uh, get them here one day where you can meet them. I know many of you have not met them. I've met them and visited with them a lot. And uh, they're just doing a great work out there. Uh, They've just kind of rebooted that whole work. They're excited about it. They've got a lot of young people coming. They've developed a youth group already uh, in the community. It's called a community youth group. About 20 or 30 kids that are coming once a week just for uh, a time to be there at the church and they've also got their mission groups that are continuing to come out in the summer as Paul had done and so that's one of the works that we're involved in supporting and so uh, uh, many of you have, have, for years have helped support that Tuba City work. Thank you for plowing the hard ground. You know, It's easy to give money to something where they're baptizing a lot of people all the time but for someone to go and plow the hard ground and stay with it that, that's something else, and so I'm so thankful for Paul and Ann doing that and also training up Eric and Tracy to go be a part of that work. So as we remember what was sacrificed for us, the blood of Christ in communion, there's a whole group out there in Arizona that are going to be taking communion this morning too. And there are brothers and sisters, and they have a great mission there that you and I are a part of, and I want you to be aware of that. Father, we love you. Thank you for... Eric and Tracy in their work. Bless them as they share the good news. Father, I thank you for those here that have year after year, for many years, have supported that work. Uh, Thank you, Father, for how you're growing the kingdom. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Christ. It gives us purpose for life. We know there's no life without The blood. We know there's no forgiveness of sins without the blood. And so we say thank you, Father, for the hope that we have in Jesus, in his name. you can sit down and plan things out you know uh you probably did that when you were younger you had your whole life planned out and one little decision all of a sudden turned you in a whole entire different direction sometimes this is what happens in church work you know you have missions planned out or you have things laid out you know and then all of a sudden one disaster hits somewhere and you have to respond to it you know katrina hit and we responded and all of a sudden new opportunities were created and other disasters hit and our relief ministry responds and then other mission opportunities come up out of that. That's kind of what happened, uh, a similar thing in New Jersey when the, uh, when the storm hit up there and all, all of a sudden we got to be involved in that work and with Carl Williamson and those guys and Gordon and Robert and some went up and shared the gospel and taught people how to share the gospel and David took a youth group uh, up there and visited. And so those kinds of opportunities, uh, you don't plan them, you just be ready with the gospel to respond to them as they happen and really that's sometimes that's some of the best works we're involved in simply because our hearts are open to respond to what's going on And that's what happened in the New Jersey relief effort and so uh, we're still getting exciting reports about the church growth there and the things that are taking place uh, because uh, all of a sudden relief responded in an area that wasn't really very open but now they're finding a lot of people you know that are searching for God and so what a great blessing. So contributions that we give for missions, especially on missions Day, where the whole thing goes toward our mission efforts, uh, helps us in Relief, World Radio, other areas of our works to be able to respond readily to whatever opportunity God brings about. And it's always an adventure and it sends us halfway around the world many times and yet uh, we get to be a part of so many uh, good brothers and sisters in their lives in this work thing called missions. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for how you've blessed us financially. Uh, Way more than that, we're thankful for the blessing of the gospel and that it ties us with people all over the world, all over the United States. Uh, Opportunities that come sometimes out of terrible situations, such as the disasters that happen, and, and yet there are doors that are open there, Father, that may not be open any other way. We have opportunity Uh, to use the funds that you give us and the materials that we have and to be ready and to make uh, make a move for the good news, to see that people hear about Jesus. Father, I'm thankful for the unselfishness of our church family. Bless us to learn to give and to be sacrificial in all we do. In Jesus' name.
2: Uh-huh. Wow.
6: our kids to their classes, all the kids' classes are meeting today, so while we're letting them out, go ahead and stand and say hello to somebody uh, standing next to you, and then we'll get started again in a few minutes.
5: Church? Say a couple of things to you this morning before we get started. First, big round of applause for the LSU Tigers. We got any Tigers fans out there? Come on, come on. Some of my peeps out there. I don't normally watch football. I caught like the most vital four minutes of the game and now I'm kind of a Tigers fan all of a sudden. So coming back from behind is my kind of a deal. Uh, The second thing is, you know, I did call out when David was talking about going to two services. And I can get fired up, and maybe I shouldn't have called out, but let me tell you something about me. This is something I have always dreamed of being able to do. is being a church like this that is life-giving, where anybody from any background can come and be ministered to and minister to others, and can have his life or her life totally transformed. And now we're getting so involved in the community... We're getting so big in number that we've got to make some adjustments, and that's something that I just can't help but shout about a little bit. So if that puts you off, then then I'm sorry, but that's exciting to me. In 1890, in 1890, look at this, okay? You know what I'm saying? This is kind of my Phil Robertson tribute this morning. In 1890, George Stratton was a psychologist uh, interested in researching the adaptability of the human brain. And one thing that he was curious about is, would it be possible to shift the way that a human being saw or perceived their world? And if you could shift it, how long would it take for the brain to adapt the field of vision back to what we would normally see without glasses on that changed our field of vision. So George Stratton put on some glasses that inverted the world as he saw it. It literally flipped the world upside down. So he would wake up in the morning, he would put on glasses. Now I've seen the glasses that he would wear. They're not as cool as these. They look more like Gordon Dashers. Okay. That's a, that's a closer picture to what they look like, okay? So he would put on these not-so-cool-looking glasses, but wearable, and it would invert his field of vision. And what he, was, what he was studying was what was later called perceptual adaptability. This is in 1890. For eight days, he would get up out of bed, he would put on the glasses that inverted his field of vision, and he would try to walk around and go about his business day in and day out, with the world literally flipped upside down. The eighth day, he gets out of bed, he puts on his glasses, he opens his eyes, and all of a sudden, the world is inverted correctly. His brain adapted and literally flipped the world upside down to make up for the difference in the inversion of the glasses that he was putting on. So what he proved in 1890 was that our brains will adapt, and they'll adapt relatively quickly to something that's fairly patterned. I'm gonna take these off, so it doesn't get, so I don't look too cool in here while I'm speaking. It took his brain about 48 hours uh, with not wearing the glasses for the world to flip back, right side up. So how 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 unique would it feel? to wake up in the morning you open your eyes you've conditioned your brain to invert an inverted image so it flips right side up an upside-down image and then you take the glasses off and now all of a sudden the world that you see is upside down 48 hours later like I said his brain readapts to its normal setting and now he can see the world right side up without wearing his glasses so I think some of us when we are converted into Christ When we're immersed into the Lord Jesus Christ, for us, that's an upside-down, inversion-of-our-whole-reality kind of experience. We're passionate. We're on fire. Lord Jesus Christ is now in us, and we're clothed in Him. And we can't help but tell people and be a part of a fellowship and evangelize and pray and read God's Word. But for some of us, it's about eight days until our body almost adapts and we stop being so in love with Jesus and we just kinda start doing religion and at some point then I think religion is just kinda more about satisfying my anxiety than it is really about life transformation really flipping things upside down and so we're at that point as a church where we gotta grow and we gotta do some creative things and we've got to push past the, the grown zone into the growth zone and do some things to fill these seats with people who have yet to obey the gospel. And so maybe in some senses we've got to flip upside down the way we do religion right here at home. In Acts chapter 17, I'm going to read verses 1 through verses 7. Paul and Silas were going around their part of the world. And they were spreading the news about Jesus Christ. I'm going to pick up this story in Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, who I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded to join Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city city authorities, shouting, These men have turned the world upside down and have come here also. Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, King Jesus. And so this morning I want to make a case to you that that in the same way Paul and Barnabas and Silas were going around speaking truth, a new authentic truth to the religious leaders around them, that it literally did flip upside down, it shifted completely the teachings of religion at that moment in time. And it was more, what what was so inverted about the teachings of Paul, Silas and Barnabas, and really what was so radical about the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that for, for them upside down really was about inside out change. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day were all about outside in. And so we got to invert our religion sometimes upside down to get it inside out, which is the right way to do religion, to be a Christian, to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. That way our priorities are right side up. So what was it really that was upside down? It's right here in the text in Acts chapter 7 verse 1. Paul is speaking in a synagogue for three weeks, and the first thing he's talking about is the passion of Christ. To flip it upside down, he's talking about the passion of Christ. What do I mean when I say the passion of the Lord Jesus Christ? His suffering and his resurrection, that's what I mean. So Paul's going around and and saying this, and it's right here in the text, in Acts chapter 7, he says, Hey, the Lord Jesus Christ had to suffer, and he had to die. Now, why did the Lord Jesus Christ have to suffer, and how was this so inverted or so upside down from what the religious leaders were practicing at that time? We find in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9 and verse 22, without the shedding of blood, church, there can be no forgiveness for sin. This is as much of a natural law as is gravity, gravity. As is photosynthesis, as is breathing. You have to have the shedding of blood for remission of sins. And the Lord God, in his plan, knew that it would take his most precious son's blood to be the sacrifice once and for all that could atone for the sin of every man. No more would the Jews need to take a lamb from outside the town and walk in to the to the synagogue and make sacrifice because the Lord Jesus Christ's blood is sufficient to erase any sin and completely atone for it in any life and so what else was so inverted is that Paul and Silas were saying hey listen not only did the Lord Jesus Christ have to suffer and die and shed blood for our forgiveness But he also had to be resurrected because it takes an anointed priest to apply the blood sacrifice to the life of a Christian. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we hear the words of Paul say, There is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ. So it was necessary for Christ to suffer and it was also necessary for him to be resurrected. We need blood and we need a mediator. And so all of a sudden, the whole Pharisee system of religion was flipped upside down. No more did they have a religious elite at the top. But anybody could come. And this is the persuasion of Christ. Luke, in the book of Acts, Acts mentions who all was able to be converted. And what does he say? He says, some of the Jews were persuaded some people whose hearts could be open to truth that could hear the validity of the words that they spoke were persuaded what else does he say some greeks were also persuaded some people outside of the prototypical religious body heard the message and were included when before that moment they were not able to be included that was upside down from the way it had been and then who else do we see in Acts 17 4 that's also converted who else is persuaded to the Lord Jesus Christ, some of the leading women. This was as radical and unique as anything imaginable to the religion or the religious leaders of Jesus' time. Greeks are coming. Some women are coming. Even some Jews are allowed in. This is not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to be a descendant of Abraham. What about this circumcision stuff? And Paul and Silas are saying, hey, it's not like that. So what's the perspective of the Lord Jesus Christ on this whole religion thing? Two things I want to mention based on our text in Acts chapter 17. I think I've said Acts 7 a couple, a couple of times, I'm sorry. In John 3.16, Jesus says that any and all can come. Whosoever believes in him. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to drive a Mercedes you don't really have to know anything but that the Lord Jesus Christ's blood is where you find forgiveness and that you can be baptized into him and the same spirit that resurrected him from the dead lives in you. Boom, you're in. In John 3:16, Jesus casts away any and all myths as to who exactly is welcome into his body. The Pharisees were really exclusive You had to have an education. You had to be of a certain family of origin. You had to have money. You had to have experience. You had to have political connections. It was really exclusive. If you didn't have some of these things, guess what? You were out or it was going to take you a really long time to earn it. And Jesus is saying, hey, wait a second. It's not that way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that anybody who wants in can get in. Even if I'm an addict even if I've had an affair, even if I'm struggling with depression or feel like my life should just end, or even if I just declared bankruptcy, or what if I'm homeless, all of that stuff does not disqualify you from being able to get into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was a radical inverted teaching. So not only was Jesus Christ teaching an unexclusive, any and all type of religion, what else he was teaching is that in terms of leadership, the funnel, instead of being uh, a triangular in shape with the peak at the top, which was the Pharisee leadership style, Jesus was saying that the funnel should actually be inverted. And that those who wanted to lead should actually be prepared to be the greatest servants in Matthew chapter 20 in verse 28 Jesus says just as the Son of Man did not come to be served he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many now if you were a Pharisee and your livelihood depended on the authoritative top-down structure of your religion and you heard this guy say if you're gonna be a leader over all, then you gotta be ready to serve everybody that would have been really really uncomfortable literally the teaching of jesus christ flipped that hierarchy upside down and it wasn't a it wasn't a funnel as we would maybe think of it it was an inverted funnel and that those who want to lead should serve and jesus filled lots of his teachings with paradoxes like this didn't he whoever wants to be first and greatest in my kingdom will be last but the one who is last, who spent time from the back, man, encouraging everybody, hey, you can do it. I think of the little engine that could when I think about some of Jesus' teaching. You know, Jesus is back there encouraging that little engine, hey, just do it. You th- just, just think that you can. I got you. Just lean on me. Depend on me. Let me help you carry this, and you can do it. But man, the religious leaders of Jesus' day would have really liked the people to have believed that without them as leaders, the people weren't capable of religion or having a relationship with God. So Jesus flips all this upside down, and now here comes Paul and Silas and and Barnabas talking about all these things, and the religious leaders are like, hey, wait a second, now this isn't right, we don't want it like this. And so they get people together together. To form this kind of collusion against Jesus and at this moment in time it's a guy named Jason who's harbored Paul and Silas. He's like, hey, wait a second, let's, let's make sure that these guys don't get this message spread any farther. And one thing that this really represented is how backwards they appro- the, the religious leaders approached their religion. It was rather than inside out the way the Lord Jesus taught, they approached their religion outside in. Two things that Jesus has to say about how true discipleship works in terms of an inside-out transition as we go about being disciples is that it's a matter of the heart. These are his words in Mark chapter 7. Jesus says this, It's written that out of a person's heart evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. In other words, it's possible to live outside in such a way that it looks like you're aligned with God traditionally. You're maintaining some traditions. You're checking items off a list that makes it look like you have a relationship with God, but really you're far away from him. Now think about the implications of that for a second. I'm going to read Romans 2.29. Paul, I think in response to some of the Lord Jesus Christ's teaching, says, no, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. How terrifying it is to think that we can maintain church traditions just like the Pharisees, and still be distant from God. And I think the reason why lots of us play that game of tradition maintenance and heart distance from God is because to really be close to God, to really fellowship with Him and connect to community, you got to do something that most of us are utterly terrified of doing. you got to get vulnerable. You have got to get vulnerable and fess up and get honest about what you're struggling with. And for the religious leaders back during Jesus' time, this was really tough. And you know what? It's really tough for us today. We're really content to get here and do church traditionally like we've always done. I'm going to check the Sunday school box off my list. Got it. I'm going to check communion off my list. Done. I'm going to check singing some songs at kind of a level 2 volume rather than a really sold out on fire for Jesus level 10 where people around me can hear those two times each song where I sing the wrong word or I'm off pitch or I start in chorus too easy uh, too early Josh and Cherry sit right in front of me I know they hear me doing that all the time it's like man I'm fired up I'm singing oh, and I just, I'll switch into a totally different song man And that is hard for me, because, you know, number one, I feel kind of foolish, right? Like, I do I know this? But I think the other reason is because I've been so indoctrinated to compare myself to everybody else. And that's what really keeps us from being vulnerable. That's what really makes it difficult to get honest and open about what's going on with us. Jesus says this to the religious leaders of his day, Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside you're full of the bones of dead and dying men and everything else unclean. Why in the world would you whitewash a tomb? To try and get people to focus more on the external beauty of the thing than on the depravity of the items inside. And this is the, ne- the way we whitewash our tombs and our life church is doing the religious checklist thing. Sunday school, took communion, gave a little bit less than 10%, but I at least tossed something in there so the guys next to me saw I did a little something. Sang a little bit, took kids, I was here, I did the church smile, what's up, what's up, what's up, love you, love you, love you. And then I'm out. That's the same thing as whitewashing your tombstone. What's it really about? It's really about your own anxiety. It's really about me pacifying that that insecurity I feel within me. I know something's off, but I'm terrified if I show up and show out and get for real that somebody's going to see my stuff and then they're going to run. Maybe Karl Marx was right. Now, whoever thought that a preacher would say that in a sermon? Karl Marx said, religion is the opium of the people. Now, he was talking about this, I think, at least scholars think, a little bit differently than the way I'm applying it. So if you're a Marx uh, scholar, uh, we can talk afterwards. I I know what he meant, but I'm going to use this the way I I think it's helpful. And I'm not off base in the way I'm applying it. In a sense, Marx was was saying people use religion to placate themselves. They show up, they check things off a box, and it makes them feel a little bit better because they check the boxes off. But there's no authentic inside-out life change. And I think, I think in a sense, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying, too. Hey, look, don't whitewash the outside when everything inside is dying, Flip it inside out. Turn it upside down. Let what's inside be purified. Let it get cleaned up. And if you'll do that, you'll experience the type of relationship with God you were designed for, man. Exceedingly, abundantly above what your wildest dreams could even imagine. And I got a really crazy imagination. I'm from Kansas. People from Kansas are crazy. We we like the Chiefs and the Royals. That's craziness. Let me just tell you this, church. Uh, Jesus' purpose for religion is not peace, but possession. Jesus' purpose for religion is not peace, but possession. I think I got Matthew 10... 34 up here. Listen to this. Don't suppose that I have come to bring peace to this earth. Hey, Jesus, what? Prince of Peace, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, do what? What did you say about peace there, Jesus? Do not suppose that I came to bring peace. I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a vase of flowers. Maybe you say vase if you're real refined. No, I came to bring the latest Eckhart Tolle New Age spirituality book. No. I came to make you feel all warm and fuzzy every time you came to church and let you check the boxes off your list. No way. Jesus Christ says, I am not as concerned with your peace as I am with completely possessing every single fiber of your being. I want to transform your life. I want to flip it upside down. And I want to turn it inside out. And for you and for me, that better be uncomfortable. That better push us past. So the comfort zone is right here. This is where most of us stay. This mic is... The groan zone is past the comfort zone. It's big and we're groaning. Oh man, I don't want to do this. Do I have to do that? I got to talk to this person. I got to go here. I got to do this. And then you get to the growth zone after the growth zone. And that is where Jesus wants you to live, man. Radically past your comfort zone and your grown zone into your growth zone. He's not about satisfying your anxiety. I think most of us need to move towards the things that make us anxious if we're going to really experience the type of life change that Jesus Christ has in store, then we got to get with the program and stop checking boxes off our stinking lists and start living like men and women who are possessed by an almighty risen Lord who wants to change this community. Maybe I should put these back on and tone them down a little bit. So the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ flipped religion upside down because it was really about an inside out kind of a kind of a discipleship and the discipleship of Jesus's day was all about outside in and Jesus is saying man no way and when you get flipped upside down and inside out by the Lord Jesus Christ your priorities are all of a sudden right side up all of a sudden life makes sense. All of a sudden, you realize the purpose for which you've been born, which is to fall madly in love with the Savior who even loves you more madly than you love Him. I had the chance, just in talking about priorities, to go hunting with some guys, Bob, Grant, and Wes. Wes took off in one direction. Uh, Bob and Grant took off in another. I was in my sweet spot. Heard a gun go off. I run to the rendezvous point, ready to see who shot what. Wes comes up, he's like, no, it wasn't me. Grant comes up, young guy, about 20, he's, he's carrying, he's dragging like a 600-point buck. I mean, this thing was like the thing of fables, man, it was like mythological. And he's dragging it, you know, sucking air. And I'm like, dude, where's Bob? And he's like, oh, I think he may have had a stroke, he's back there. I had to, I had to decide between him and this deer, and I chose a deer. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, priorities, man, get the guy, not the deer. Or there or there was this guy who was uh, at the Super Bowl, he was at the Super Bowl, and he sees a lady in front of him, and right next to her is a vacant seat, he's like, ma'am, you got a vacant seat next to you, is this seat for your husband, is he here? And she said, no, you know, we bought these tickets, and then he passed away, and the guy's like, well, ma'am, could, you know, wasn't there somebody you know, from the family that would have liked to have you know, taking his place next to you at, at the game and and she said, Yeah, I, I had a couple of takers, but they decided to go to his funeral today instead. Okay. Our priorities when we get flipped upside down and inside out by the Lord Jesus Christ get fixed. They get fixed and so I think for a lot of us based on the culture or our age or what's going on in our family if we're not plugged into the life-giving source that is the Holy Spirit of Almighty God then our priorities are gonna fluctuate based on kind of whatever feels good let me read the words of the Apostle Paul in 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 we fix our eyes not on what is seen but instead on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. I could have gone back to the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ which are essentially a reiteration on this theme kind of over and over and over again. Don't store up treasures for yourself here on earth where moss and rust can corrupt, but instead store up treasures for yourself in heaven. All of those kinds of things Jesus was saying fit right here. Fix your eyes church on that one thing that is the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let it change. So our priorities need to get fixed as we flip our religion upside down and our lives inside out. We fix our eyes on the one thing that matters most, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. What are our priorities as a church? What are our priorities as a church? Our number one priority as a church, hear this. If you're a visitor today, I want you to know this. If you're watching online, I want you to know this. Our number one priority as a church is to carry the gospel to those who have yet to obey it and we as a church will do anything just short of sin to fulfill that mission if that's you this morning and you can jump on board with that vision I want you to clap your hands you're saying hey I'm in I'm in on that I'm in with getting the gospel out God bless you if you gave a hand clap if you didn't come down here after service I'm gonna do a laying on of hands I'm gonna lay some hands on you old boy so what kind of things are we doing right now to make this happen Paul and Silas were telling the church look you got to do some things differently what are we willing to do differently well now we have some brothers at university that have joined forces with us and we've decided hey we're gonna be one church with two locations and three services And we are not doing that, church, to make you more comfortable with your schedule or your routine. Because that's not the mission. The mission is not to make you more comfortable. Matter of fact, I hope it makes you a little bit uncomfortable because Jesus didn't come to bring peace and comfort. He came to challenge you, to grow you, to conform you into his own image. So you better invite somebody. That's why we're doing multiple services and multiple locations because we want to cater to those who are not coming that might come to a different time or a different location. What else we're doing is expanding our parking lot. Man, how cool. Lord, thank you so much that I get to be at a place where we gotta add more parking. Every time I drive by and see those guys, I'm like, man, God, you are so awesome that we gotta add parking when so many churches are, are their parking lots are just shrinking down. And there's always a front row spot to park. That ain't us, and I'm glad it's not. And if that makes you uncomfortable, awesome, you're growing. When are our services? We're going to have an 8 o'clock here. That's one of our services at our WFR campus. We're going to have a 9 o'clock at our university campus. And we're going to have a 10.30 here. You can catch my humor at least twice on most Sundays so some of that is for your comfort all right the church was like yeah we got to make it easy on these guys so those are the things we're doing as a church and as a church and as leadership we're trying to set some example we're doing some things differently we're combining with other uh, fellowships and adding locations and adding services please in your own individual lives do something differently what should your priority be as individuals i think three. First, evangelize i'm almost done of people converted says that those converted were taught by a close friend or relative. The people that need to obey the gospel that you're capable of leading into that obedience are already a part of your circle. Pray about it. Let God show you who to invite. And then please, do something about it. Second thing, get involved i'm going to say that and grip my teeth man get involved this will not happen the way god wants it to if you're not participating we need you everybody it doesn't matter your background it doesn't matter your experience you're qualified because the resurrection the same spirit that resurrected jesus from the dead is in you and that's that's all you need Some things you can do, parking lot attendant, door greeter, Sunday school. If Tara Troll was in here, I'd ask her to raise her hand, but I don't know if she's in here. She's probably doing work. She's over here. Tara, you rock, and you set up a booth back there that is so decorated and awesome. Whoever set it up, it's just phenomenal. You can go sign up. We have made it easy for you to go sign up to help out with kids in two separate services. We need that. We need people praying for, this, for these services. We need people cleaning. We need people just smiling and being polite. Something you can do. There is something you can do to get involved. Do it. Get uncomfortable and make it happen. If you can't preach or sing, you can shake a hand and smile. Do that. I'm going to wrap up. Here's what I want to say. It's Labor Day weekend. Thank you guys for coming to church on Labor Day weekend. Man, God bless y'all this is a day where we celebrate the tirelessness of the greatest workforce on the planet that built the greatest nation on the planet and it's some of that same level of effort that the Lord Jesus Christ is asking us to adhere to in terms of how we go about building an even greater kingdom the kingdom of our Lord Jesus he says this in Luke chapter 9 deny yourself church Take up your cross daily and follow me. So to do that, what do you got to do? First, you got to flip religion upside down and not make it about comfort or peace, but about possession. Second, you got to transform or allow Jesus to transform your life from the inside out. Don't be a whitewashed tomb. Be a transformed Christian. And the third thing you got to do is you got to set your priorities right side up. Get involved, live like you mean it, remain steadfast and full of joy, then you will find peace in the midst of whatever's going on and a hope that's not reliant or dependent upon your situation. I'm going to close in prayer. When I wrap up, our our worship team is going to sing a song, and I invite you to come forward with whatever need you've got. Do you need to be baptized into Christ? Is there a heavy burden on your heart that you need someone to pray for? Are you going to do something big in ministry that you want our fellowship to bless you for? Whatever the need is, after I finish in prayer and our worship team sings, take this opportunity to come forward this morning. Precious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus to transform us, to flip our religion upside down and turn our lives inside out so that our world finally can exist right side up bless this congregation and everybody that they interact with this week bless us as a church as we go about trying to do what we feel and know you've led us to do God I ask that all lives be changed and all hearts be drawn closer to you in the name of Jesus Amen
2: we fall down. We
4: From heaven said, A voice from heaven said to them, Listen to him. You better listen to him. Listen to him. He's shining. Clothes became as white as
2: light.
4: listen to him. You gotta listen to him. Listen to him. Oh, 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 oh. listen to him. Listen to him. Moses and Elijah talking there with Jesus. A cloud and them. Terrible disciples placed down to the ground, looked
7: up and the only one they hey, found was Jesus, Jesus.
4: glorified, glorified.
2: glorified.
4: Whoa, you gotta listen to him. Listen to him. you yeah.
0: This opportunity, but I'm going to ask you a very important question, Adriana. Who's going to be the Lord of your life?
6: a big family uh, for eternal life to be viewed as holy and perfect. And uh, man, we're a work in progress uh, it's transformed lives. I'm going to ask you today, who's going to be the Lord of your life from this day forward? Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a 53-year-old brand-new baby. Like the story on the vineyard, it doesn't matter if you get in early or late. We all get the prize, and that's uh, that's changed life and life to the fullest. I'm going to ask you in front of your family today, who's going to be the Lord of your life from this day forward? Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> i thank you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. Did you know who's there? Grab his arm. Here we go. This guy here, about three months ago, he said, "Lord, I need to be around somebody that can help me change." About three weeks of heavy fellowship in frogging and fishing and diving out of the boat. Uh, he's seen something different, something new. And, uh, bro, I love you. And, uh, this is transformed lives out right here. Who's going to be the Lord of your life from this day forward? Jesus Christ. We yeah. baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins. And it's not a coincidence you're here. I love you.
0: an email this morning from a lady named
2: Jennifer Rescue
7: always He is always there for me and He'll be right right there for you oh, oh Lord oh Lord I know I don't deserve but you love me anyhow Rescue come to my land Rescue. 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 Keep all coming to my rescue. You come to my rescue. Keep all coming to my rescue.
8: shall be saved, and shall go in and out, and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Restless folks live restless lives, but the Father hears their cries. He can give the
4: sorrow they feel. Jesus came to empathize more than you can realize, offering the life that is real. Since he came to give us, there's been nothing like his I'm complete within it. his life. Such a source of healing Simple truth revealing There's no other feeling Lies Since he came to give us There's been nothing like leap within his Lies Such a source of healing Simple truth revealing There's no other feeling Lies Hope to find a soul Since he came to give us There's been nothing like this I'm complete within his life Such a source of healing Simple truth revealing There's no other feeling Like Since he came to give us There's been nothing like it I'm complete He's such a source of healing, simple truth revealing, there's no other feeling
7: like. He's giving us life, giving us life, his life, there's no other life, he's giving us life. He's giving us life Oh yes, he's giving us life There's no other life He's giving us life He's giving us life There's no need for living down down
4: When there's happy life around Look at what the master has done
8: gonna tell the child about jesus who is gonna tell the child about god yeah. well i believe i believe it's my responsibility to tell the child about god yeah. see that child standing on the corner wondering which way to go should it go left should it go right i believe the child really ought to know now who is going to tell the child about Jesus? Who is going to tell the child about God? Who's going to tell Well, I believe, I believe it's my responsibility to tell the child about God. Oh, 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 see that child, his life is a mess. You wonder what's inside of his head. I've got to tell you all, if someone doesn't tell him about the love of the Lord, you know he's going to wind up dead the child about jesus who is gonna tell the child about god Mm -hmm. well i believe i believe it's my responsibility to tell the child about god don't you know who is gonna gonna tell tell the child about jesus who is gonna tell the child about god Well, I believe, I believe it's my responsibility to tell the child about
7: God. Who is gonna tell them about God? Who will tell the children? Who will lend their hand? Their way is is hopeless without the man.
8: Can't you see that boy hanging in the streets? He's trying to do the best he can. But if he only knew he had a father who can. Who, who cared to be a better man. Who is gonna tell the child about Jesus? Who is gonna tell the child about God? Well, I believe, I believe it's my responsibility to tell the child about God. Who's yeah, gonna yeah. Who is going to tell the, the child about the Jesus? Who is gonna to, going to tell well, believe, the, the child about God? Who is going to tell? Well, I believe, I believe, I believe it's my responsibility to tell the child about God. Who is going to tell the child about Jesus? Who
9: is going to tell the child God? about God? Huh! Everybody said that anybody could do The important thing somebody should do Everybody knows that anybody could do All the good things that nobody did Well, the preacher came to me and said What I ought to do If I wanted to make my religion true he do it himself But he really didn't At the time he said that the duty was mine Oh,
8: no. Everybody said that anybody could do me. The important thing somebody should do I Everybody knows that anybody could do All the
9: good boom, things that don't back Why Everybody said that anybody could do The good things do it Everybody knows that anybody could do All the good things that don't back Well, the deacon came by and said, Give me a hand If you want me going to the promised land Here is something that I don't have time to do So I better give it to you Oh, no. Everybody said mm. mm. oh, that, that anybody could do all the Somebody do mm. anybody could do polygon things that pop did. Not everybody me. said that anybody could
2: do the important anybody things that
9: pop Well, I'm too busy, so I tell everybody.
8: Your work's got to get done by somebody
9: It could be done by anybody but nobody 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 Nobody, nobody, nobody did. boom boom, boom oh, no. Everybody said boom, boom, anybody could Somebody everybody knows. That anybody could do, all the good things that nobody did, party. said, could do, I'm not going to do it the good things that don't party. All the good things that no did. It is good for us to be here, praise the Lord, and it's good to
8: sing
9: His praises,
8: praise the Lord. Your praise to God on high. Lift your voices to the sky. It is good to be with brothers
9: in his church.
7: And it's good to build up others
8: in his church. There's no greater joy to be part of Jesus' family.
0: And I uh, pray that you enjoy your holiday weekend uh, today and tomorrow and uh, plug in. We're going to offer a prayer to close and also I'm going to mention a couple of other folks here in our prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, your mercy that you show in so many ways. And I pray as we walk on this earth with you, that as Trent said, that we are uh, consumed by you, that we are conquered by you, and that you transform, that we allow you to transform every part, every fiber of our being. We want to lay before you a couple of folks now. Uh, Ken Gidry, who's really struggling with some knee issues. I pray for relief and some healing and peace there. And also in a, a, a very a tragic loss here with uh, Doug Ponsell, um, be with his family. And the ministries that he was working with, I pray for someone to take the leadership in that. I know there's just a big loss there with them. So be with those uh, men. And Father, there's a lot of unspoken, a lot of unsaid things. And I pray that, uh, of course, we don't inform you of anything. Uh, We ask by faith that your power and your spirit be be among them and work in them, and they see you more and more every day. That is our prayer, and we love you, and we thank you for Jesus, and through him we pray. Amen.